Dragon Slayer Audio. Good evening. This is Bill Oberst Jr., and welcome to the Moonlit Library. Although there's not much moonlight here tonight, the clouds have drifted across her face. So we'll light a candle. And here's a light for you. Glad you're here. Are you afraid of the dark? No quick answers now. Just let the question settle. Just lie down with it for a while. What is your relationship with the onset of night? Do you say with frost, I have been one acquainted with the night? Or do you leave a nightlight burning inside and inside you all evening long? I'd like to know. Would you leave me a voice message? Would you tell me about your relationship with the night, how it makes you feel when day is dying in the West? There's a link to leave a quick voice message right there in your show notes. And if you don't see it on your player, just go to speakpipe.com slash Bill Oberst Jr. Speakpipe dot com slash Bill Oberst Jr. As the program grows, we now have weekly visitors to the Moonlit Library from 16 countries. We have listeners in the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Brazil, Costa Rica, Germany, Italy, Mexico, the Netherlands, Singapore, Bulgaria, Austria, Finland, Greece, New Zealand, Sweden, and Ukraine. And every one of us, all around this world, every one of us has in common sunset and sunrise, lying down, rising up. And so I say we are one, especially now, especially now. We are one. So... Share your voice, would you? Talk to us about the night. You share your voice, and I'll share your voice messages on the next broadcast. The whole world dying tonight, for sleep is a patch of death. So find a quiet place now. I know the world is noisy. But find your place of rest. And when you're ready, I'll read to you for a while. Just till you're drowsy. And in that sleep, what dreams may come. This old library is a labyrinth. It's made to get lost in. No wide aisles here, no well-lit spaces here. I like it that way. It's cobwebby. <laughs> it's just like our dreams. Mine too. I have for you tonight the thoughts of a man who has been dreaming for 450 years. 
William Lantry, the dead man who came to life in Ray Bradbury's 1948 novella, Pillar of Fire. I loved William Lantry from the moment I met him in an old paperback that someone had dropped or tossed away on a wooded path where I picked it up as a lonely boy and flipped it open and read the first words I saw. And they were the opening words to this story. He came out of the earth hating. Hate was his father. Hate was his mother. It was good to walk again. Good to leap up out of the earth, off of your back, and stretch your cramped arms and try to take a deep breath. He tried. He cried out. He couldn't breathe. He flung his arms over his face and tried to breathe. It was impossible. He walked in the earth. He came out of the earth. But he was dead. He could take air into his mouth and force it halfway down his throat with withered moves of long, dormant muscles wildly, wildly. And with this little air, he could shout and he could cry. He wanted tears, but he couldn't make them come. The smells of the world were all about him. Frustratedly, he tried to smell the smells of autumn. Autumn. Autumn was burning the land down into ruins. All across the country, the ruins of summer lay. Vast forests bloomed with flame, tumbled down timber on empty, unleafed timber. The smoke of the burning was rich, blue, and invisible. He stood in the graveyard, hating. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. My 14-year-old boy self said, yes. Give me more of that stuff. I was angry because I was lonely. And William Lantry is angry because he is lonely. His kind is forbidden no darkness allowed in the sterile world in which he's arisen, and certainly no dead bodies. He is the only one left, the only reminder of death and superstition and darkness. And now that he's up off of his back, as Bradbury so beautifully puts it, William Lantry wants friends. He wants friends, damn it, so he decides to make friends. People like himself, new friends, new dead people. Well, it ends badly for William Lantry, of course. And in pretty short order, about 40 pages, he's on his way to the incinerator to be gobbled up by fire forever. But on the way to forever, he thinks... And he speaks to us about what will be lost when he's all burned away. He speaks to us about the things he's been dreaming of in his long sleep. He speaks about loss, 
about his relationship with the night. Listen to him, will you? My God, that's all any of us ever want in this life, isn't it? Just to be listened to for a little while. I toured with a staged theatrical reading of this strange, sad tale. I still do it from time to time. Performed by permission of Ray Bradbury Literary Works and Don Condon Associates Incorporated. I'm not 14 years old anymore, except when my eyes close. So here's a bedtime excerpt from that theatrical reading of Ray Bradbury's Pillar of Fire. It's the year 2349, and poor dead William Blantry, literally a walking corpse, is riding with a scientist named McClure in a futuristic beetle vehicle. McClure is beginning to suspect the truth. Bradbury writes, The beetle was moving now, gliding with a mind of its own to the town of Scienceport. McClure sipped a drink. He did not speak for some time, and finally he said, Where did you get the clothing? I... I asked someone for clothes, said Lantry, and, and they gave them to me. It was damn nice of them. Hmm. You'll find that's how we are in this world, said McClure calmly. All you have to do is ask. McClure shut up again. His eyes moved, only his eyes, nothing else. McClure was like a tall, thin master of hounds, listening for something that nobody else could hear, listening with a slick slide of eyes to one side, sensing the invisible whistle. It was so quiet that the cigarette smoke made some kind of invisible noise as it rose to the ceiling. William Lantry stiffened. He saw the color getting paler in McClure's cheeks, and he saw a knowledge come at last to his eyes, never to go away. McClure spoke as if in a dream. At first, he said, at first I thought it was psychosis, the first case of psychosis I've ever actually seen, although I've read about it in the history books. I thought, well, he's convinced himself. Hmm? Lantry's convinced himself. He's quite insane. He's told himself to do all these little things to appear dead. He purposely doesn't breathe through his nose. I watched your nostrils, Lantry. The little nostril hairs never quivered once in the last hour we've been traveling. So it was a fact I filed. It wasn't enough. Well, I thought he breathed through his mouth on purpose. And then I gave you a cigarette, and you socked and blew and socked and blew, but none of it came out of your nose. And I told myself, well, that's all right. He doesn't inhale. Is that terrible? Is that suspect? It's all in the mouth. And then I looked at your chest. It did nothing. It never went up and down. Well, he's convinced himself, I said. He's been among the dead so long that he's convinced himself, and he doesn't move his chest except slowly when he thinks you're not looking. But now, yes, now I understand. I understand it quite well. Now I see everything 
the way it is. Do you know how I knew? Listen, Mr. Lantry. Listen. Lantry did not move. I hear nothing, said McClure. No beat of heart, no intake of lung. Silence. Nonsense, you might say, but I know. At the incinerator, I know. There is a difference. You enter a room where a man is on a bed, and you know immediately whether he will look up and speak to you or whether he will not speak to you ever again. I am alone in this place. You bastard, breathed William Lantry. At first, said McClure, at first I thought this man thinks he's dead, risen from the dead, a vampire. <laughs> Is that not logical? Would not any man, buried as many centuries as you were and raised in a superstitious, ignorant culture, think likewise of himself, risen from the tomb? But I was wrong. You're not insane. You're dead. Is there anything wrong with me being dead, said Lantry? Well, you must admit, it is highly unusual. Is it a crime? We have no crime, no criminal court. Lantry, what were you doing back there in the morgue? Nothing. Lying is very bad, Mr. Lantry. The truth is, you were lonely. I hate you. <laughs> it does no good to hate me, Mr. Lantry. I'll kill you. And then what? Once you kill all of us and you're alone, you'll die. McClure talked quietly, logically, and as he talked, the fire in William Lantry began to go out. He was a marionette now, with the strings cut, and there was only a tiny hatred in his eyes, like twin coals, feeble, glowing, fading. I am Poe, Lantry thought. I am all that is left of Edgar Allan Poe, and I am all that is left of Ambrose Bierce, and all that is left of a man named Lovecraft. I am a gray night bat with sharp teeth. I am Osiris and Baal and Set. I am the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead. I am the House of Usher, falling into flame. I am the Red Death. I am the man mortared into the catacomb with the cask of Amontillado. I am a coffin, a shroud, a lightning bolt reflected in an old house window. I am an autumn empty tree. I am a wrapping, flinging shutter. I am a yellowed volume turned by a claw hand. I am an organ played in an attic at midnight. I am a mask, a skull mask behind an oak tree on the last day of October. I am a poison apple, 
bobbling in a water tub for child noses to bump at, for child teeth to snap. I am a black candle, a coffin lid, a sheet with eyes, a footstep on a black stairwell. Oh, I am the monkey's paw, and I am the phantom rickshaw, and I am the cat and the canary, the gorilla, the bat. I am Hamlet's father on the castle wall. All of these things am I. And now, these last things will be burned. While I lived, they still lived. While I moved and existed, they still existed. I am all of them that still goes on and will not go on after tonight. Tonight, all of us, Poe and Bierce and Hamlet's father, we burn together. They will make a big heap of us, and they will burn us like a bonfire, like things of Guy Fawkes' day, gasoline, torches, cries, and all. What a wailing we will put up. The world will be clean of us, but in our going we shall say, Oh, what is the world like clean of fear? Where is the dark imagination from the dark time, the thrill, the suspense, the anticipation of old October? Gone, gone, never more to come again, flattened and smashed by the rocket people, by the incinerator people, destroyed, obliterated, to be replaced by doors that open and close and lights that go on and off without fear. If only you could remember how once we lived, what Halloween was to us, what Poe was, and how we gloried in the dark morbidities. One more drink, dear friends, of Amontillado before the burning. All of this, all exist in but one last brain on earth, a whole world dying tonight. We're here, said McClure. He helped Lantry out of the car, put him in a golden box, and rolled him on a roller table into the warm, glowing interior of the incinerator. I am Edgar Allan Poe. I am Ambrose Bierce. I am Halloween. I am a coffin, a shroud, a monkey's paw, a phantom, a vampire. Yes, yes, said McClure. I know. I know. I am Usher. I am the MS found in a bottle. I am the pit in the pendulum. I am the telltale heart. I am the raven. Nevermore, nevermore, nevermore. Yes, said McClure as they walked softly. Yes, said McClure, speaking over him. I know. I know. I am in the catacomb. Yes, the catacomb, said the walking man over him. I am being chained to a wall. <laughs> And, and there is no bottle of Amontillado here. Yes, someone said, we know. And now someone is mortaring up the cell, closing me in. Yes, I know. The golden box slid into the flame block. I, I'm being walled in. 
It's a very good joke. A, a very good joke indeed. Let us be gone. We know. We understand. <laughs> For the love of God, Montresor. For the love of God. Yes, said McClure. Yes. For the love of God. Resquiescat in pace, William Lantry. Oh, rest in peace tonight, my friends around this scared and lonely globe. We may lack much, but we have this. We have one another. We have what dreams may come in this, our collective sleep. Something is dying. Something else is being born. But what and what? Who can say until morning? Quiet now. Resquietat in pace. Sleep well. And remember, it's always midnight somewhere. And in someone's soul. Good night.